This is Emmanuel Today, taking steps toward God's possible in your life. On today's program, we begin a new series entitled, Change the World. It has been said it's your responsibility to love it or change it. You can be a better parent, spouse, employee. You can impact the people in your life for the better. If you yourself chooses to change and let God shine through you. You're not expected to change the world by yourself. Just do your part. Let's join Dr. Nate Roosh right now. We're going into a series today titled Change the World. You know, from the very beginning, we are challenged to change the world. I was reminded of a story this week of an old man who was walking along the beach and and he was, the, the beach was littered with thousands of starfish that had been washed ashore during the high tide. As he walked along, he came across a young boy who was picking up starfish and throwing them back into the ocean one by one. The older man was puzzled, and he looked at the boy, so he walked up to him, and he asked him the question. He's like, what are you doing? And he said, I'm saving these starfish, sir. The old man chuckled aloud, son, There are thousands of starfish and only one of you. What difference can you make? The boy picked up a starfish, gently tossed it into the water, and turning to the man, he said, I made a difference with that one. (laughs) I think one of the greatest challenges that we face in life as we grow older, as we change, as years go by, weeks go by, time goes by, our life experiences go by, is we lose this sense that we can make a difference, that we are here to make a difference, and that we forget that we matter. When you talk to little kids, and you ask them, what do you wanna be when you grow up? And they, I wanna be a mommy, I wanna be a daddy. Why, because those are the most important people that are making a difference in their lives, right there. Or I wanna be the president. Or I wanna play on the Minnesota Lynx. Or I wanna, and they're thinking big about making big differences in the world. I think that many of us have an inner desire to make a difference in people's lives that's put there by our creator. In fact, when we were born, the scripture says that God was there and he was shaping us and forming us, Psalm 139, and he had a destiny for us. There was something that he had a plan and he wanted to make a difference, but time goes by and we somehow lose our desire to change anything. Maybe it's because of disappointment or failure or our confidence leaves or we have compassion fatigue. You know what compassion fatigue is? You see so many needs all the time that eventually you just can't meet any needs. How many of you recently have seen so many needs, so many appeals for more funds and more causes and more concerns and something inside of us can shut down. Many people give up trying to change themselves and if they can't change themselves, why could they change anybody else? I think in 2018 in America, we've got a great challenge in that we equate sensory experiences with actual change. So when we're emotionally into something, as long as we're emotionally connected and we're in the experience, we're gonna do that but as soon as the emotion drops off, we're out. That could be with romantic love. Romantic love is amazing when it's infatuation and you wanna be around that person, you wanna be with them all the time and the emotion feels the pursuit, but 
when the emotion wears off, what's left afterward? Commitments can last as long as our feelings. Even in the church, we can be moved by the worship. The preaching can stir us to change, to believe God's best for us, but we can return to old habits the next day when the feeling is gone. I'd love for every person under the sound of my voice to regain their hope during this series, that hope that you can change, that our world can change. You can become a better parent. You can make a difference. You don't have to continue the, pal- the, the, the fallacies and the faults and the failures of the previous generation. You don't have to repeat your own mistakes. You can try again. You can impact the people in your life for the better. You can, as the little boy said to the star- of the starfish, I made a difference in that one. And here's how I know it, because changing the world is a God habit. Changing the world is a God habit. He created the world that was formless and void, and humanity deviated or moved away from God's improvement. And then he would send somebody else to intervene and to change because hearts moved away from him. So finally he sends Jesus into the world. And Jesus brought change, just not the way we expect it. He did it every day. You know, look at the Gospels and his interaction with people. He was person to person, moment by moment. He changed the world by loving those no one else loved, listening to people everyone else hated, feeding those who didn't ask for food, giving hope to those who had none. Jesus changes everything but not in the way you think. Jesus didn't expect everything to change all at once. His way was to start with one. One second, one minute, one day, one month, one year. Jesus shows us how he came and brings change. I want you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13. Jesus is speaking to the crowds, he's speaking to his disciples, he's speaking about the kingdom of heaven. And you gotta remember, when Jesus was on the earth, it was much like it is in the Twin Cities of Minneapolis and St. Paul. For when Jesus was on the earth, there were political parties in different groups all fighting one another. There was the occupying force of the Roman government, There was Herod and his forces of kind of cultural leaders, natives of the land. And then there are the Jews and the Pharisees and the synagogue and their religious system of government. And everybody expected Jesus to step in and try to fix everybody else and wave his hand and everything would be fixed. But that's not how Jesus works. So Jesus comes in and he just begins to talk to everybody. He's in the middle of all the systems and all the languages and all the things going on, and Jesus speaks to the people and he talks about a kingdom of heaven. And the kingdom of heaven was not like all the stuff everybody else saw. The kingdom of heaven was something that was coming in and it could affect everyone around. He literally was bringing something everyone else had not seen yet. And Jesus would tell stories, parables, and he would use analogies and metaphors from the culture around them that people would understand. And by the way, as my uh, mentor, Dr. Gordon Anderson would say, 
Jesus would tell stories in a way that only the hungry would get it. So you can, I can speak on a Sunday, but the people that are really hearing me are the hungry people. How many hungry people I got here in church today? Come on, somebody. In Matthew 13, verse 31, here's an illustration Jesus used. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed planted in a field. It is the smallest of all seeds, but it becomes the largest of garden plants. It grows into a tree, and birds come and make nests in its branches. So the first of two parables that we're gonna look at that are twin parables is this one with the mustard seed. And he talks about the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven is the rule of heaven. It's everywhere that the kingdom goes. And every kingdom has an authority within the kingdom and he has a certain way that he wants things done. There is an authority that's in charge of sending and ruling and things had to be done a certain way. And the key to receiving blessing of the kingdom is coming under the authority of the one who's in charge of that kingdom. Kingdom resources are for kingdom citizens. In other words, the king will send resources to those who are a part of his kingdom. And then it says, like a mustard seed planted in a field. Mustard seed is so small that if I were to hold one up to you right now, you would look at it and you could not see it. Now the crowd that Jesus was speaking to understood what he was talking about. It's a very tiny seed. And when Jesus said it, why would Jesus use a seed as an example of his kingdom? What he wants us to know is, is it starts small. Everything starts small with the kingdom. And then it will grow, but it starts small. I want to encourage some of you here today who are watching, you come to church, you look at everybody else, maybe you're new to the faith, you've come back, and maybe you've got, still got stuff going on in your life that you're not proud of and you want to overcome at some point, and then you look at other believers and they seemingly have it all together. Okay, how many of you know nobody has it all together, right? But let's be honest, you listen to them and they're, they're not swearing and you have a problem with swearing. They're not, you know, they, they, it, it seems like everything that they do comes natural. They can remember scripture verses, they're quicker to pray, they're more confident with faith. And you may look at them and go, I'm not as good as them, I don't belong in the kingdom. Now I want you to remember what Jesus just said. It starts small, okay? When you look at people who are further along in the journey of the faith, you're looking at the end of the movie. There's earlier stories to their journey. Other things have occurred in their story, and so we're looking at something that's earlier on. This should give every person encouragement. It doesn't matter what part of the journey you're on, what part of the season of life that you're in, and you're learning to know Jesus. You might not even have given your life to Jesus yet. You might not consider yourself a Christian, but you're kind of observant because you're hungry, right? You're thirsty, you're kind of curious. The curiosity has been stirred inside of you, so you're listening. Jesus would say to you that the kingdom of heaven, if it comes to you, will start small and it will grow. It's not gonna be something that comes off big. No, it's gonna be something that starts small and it goes bigger. That's why we, even at the church, we spend time wanting people to grow in their faith we know it starts somewhere. That's why we offer starting point on each of our campuses. It's because we just simply want you to know how to get going in the other parts of the church. You're like, I don't know anybody in the church. Go to starting point. 
Because if you can go to starting point, we know you're going to hear stuff about our church and what we're about and those kind of things. You don't sign up for a timeshare in Florida or anything like that. But what you do is you're able to get to know people, and then you get an opportunity to know where opportunities to serve or be connected to other people are. And then when you're serving, you get to know other people, and then over time, friendship develops. You don't get a deep friendship in one week. Come on, somebody. That's not natural. It takes time, and it starts small. And then he says, in a sense, this little seed grows because it grows into a tree. And that growth is a process. It doesn't start there. It kind of moves its way up. And eventually, as it's growing, there's an expectation of growth. As the kingdom of God comes in you, you will grow, okay? I will grow. But we grow in faith together. We grow together. There's root systems in that mustard seed. There's connections that occur in order to get the nutrients in the soil. That's why we so often talk about with our relationships in the church are such a big deal for me. Just coming to church and hearing the word, experiencing the worship, that isn't necessarily all you need to grow. You need spiritual friendships. You need to be connected to other believers. At least know somebody and grow in faith. There's those powerful and connect groups when you're talking about the word of God together and processing it. Real change happens in the context of relationship, okay? And then it, it grows and it grows up into this tree. And then he says, it grows into a tree and birds come and make nests in its branches. Why would Jesus, what is he referencing here? Friends, growth is for the purpose of benefiting others. That as the kingdom grows in you, the ultimate isn't that you get more followers on Instagram and likes for your picture because it's all about me, Jesus. It's not that, okay? What it is, is is like a tree that grows up. Now the birds can come. Now the feeding can begin. Now the shade tree is there. I am not just here for me as the kingdom of God grows in me. It will benefit others. Can I get an amen? Now he goes, and he, many scholars talk about the, kind of the, the twin parables that kind of go together about the same thing into verse 33. Verse 33, Jesus also used this illustration. The kingdom of heaven is like the yeast a woman used in making bread. Even though she put only a little yeast in three measures of flour, it permeated every part of the dough. Jesus said, you know, the kingdom of God is like yeast that's used in the bread, right? Um, And in the dough. But then, then Jesus talks about all this is going on, all these ingredients are there, but it won't rise without the yeast. So Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is like the yeast. And you take out the yeast and you put it in the bowl on the dough. And it's supposed to work its way in. You and I have the essentials. We've got the word of God. We've got relationships with people. We've got our life. You've got a brain. You've got a soul. You've got a body. We've got the stuff. But what we don't have is the yeast. And Jesus said that the kingdom of heaven comes into our lives like the yeast. And it needs to work its way into all of the dough. 
That is the way the kingdom of God is, the kingdom of heaven. And Jesus is essentially saying that you need to have the kingdom of heaven not just in part of your life, but it needs to work its way into all of your life. It needs to go in, everybody said in. So the kingdom of heaven needs to work its way into every part of your life. Your relationships, it needs to work its way into how your body is and how you handle your physical temple. It needs to work its way into your career. Then work its way in. The kingdom of heaven has to work into all. And when it goes there, the yeast goes to work and then it begins to expand. How many of you want to change the world? You want to change your life? You want a better future for your kids? You want a better future for the world around you? Well, you got to let the kingdom into all of your life in order for it to expand into all of your life. Can I get an amen to that? Even though she only put a little yeast in three measures of flour, it permeated every part of the dough, Jesus said. But unreached parts of the dough won't expand without the yeast. So let me ask the question before I move on today. Has the kingdom of heaven worked its way into every part of your life? Are you really letting the kingdom go into those parts of your life or have you separated church, God stuff from the other parts of your life? You're like, Pastor Nate, you don't understand. I didn't grow up in a godly home. I wasn't born and raised by Christian parents. I, I understand that. Actually, Jesus is talking to you. And he's saying the kingdom of heaven needs to go in and give things to you that you didn't have when you were growing up. That's why you read the word of God. That's why you spend time in, in relationship with other believers. That's why you give your focus to the kingdom. And if you're at a deficit, if you don't know peace in part of your life, you're really bothered by your children, you're bothered by your boss, you're bothered by the government, you're bothered by Facebook, you're bothered by everything, then maybe you need to say, Lord, I want the kingdom of heaven to come into that part of my life. I need you because I'm not operating in the benefits of the kingdom right now. Maybe the yeast hasn't worked its way into all of the dough. So he moves the kingdom in, but here's what Jesus is also saying. The kingdom goes in, but then it spreads out to all of our life and outside. As the kingdom reaches each part, it causes everything to expand. Like the mustard seed, the growth is to benefit places that Jesus cares about. Jesus came to bring his kingdom into the world. And so he sends his resources to all the people who have the kingdom growing in their lives. I love the stories in our church of how God cares about little children and children in our communities around us who go through seasons where their parent or their parents can't take care of them. Maybe they've got other issues going on, an addiction or something else, and these kids are left without any supervision, and we have people that hear the kingdom of God, and they, they answer the call to be foster care parents, and they say, I'll bring that kid in for a season of time and care for, how you know, taking care of those children is the kingdom of God's work. It's the kingdom of heaven at work. Ultimately, when the kingdom is working its way into your life, you find that you adjust to the king's ways. He changes you before you change those around you. I wanted to share a story from Jody and I's journey. You see, Jody and I met here at Emmanuel. We got married. 
I came on staff as a youth pastor. We lived for a number of years on a youth pastor's salary, and, uh, and then we did our best, we trusted God, and then we started having kids. And how many know when you start having kids, it gets overwhelming, life does, bills do, all kinds of, now our kids were going to school, and we were in our young 30s, I remember, in upper 20s and young 30s, and, and it was like fees for every sport, we were, we were like personal Uber drivers for our kids, running them to practices, and all kinds of things that we had to get to for a long time, four kids in six and a half years. And, and then uh, we, we just did, we wanted to invest everything we in our kids. So one of the things we did is we wanted to make sure the kingdom of heaven still got in our kids in the middle of all the business. So we made sure we were in church. And we wanted our kids to know the kingdom of heaven. By the way, I want to continue to challenge you parents. Just because it's easy for you to take two weeks off doesn't mean it's best for your kids. Because you're, you're setting their patterns for their life. So do the hard thing, not the easy thing in that regard. Find a way. Even when we were coaching and I was doing tournaments, tournaments for our kids and we were in another town on a Sunday morning and, and uh, this is while I was working at North Central University, I, I made sure I took our kids to a local church wherever we were, even if it wasn't like our church. I wanted to, I wanted to show the, the value of getting our kids in a place where they were receiving the kingdom of heaven. It was needed into their life on a regular basis. and So I wanted to do that. Well, as we moved along, one of our challenges were finances, and Jody started working for uh, a local business, a small business, and she was the CFO. She took care of all the finances, and, and uh, she took care of that uh, to the best of her ability. She was actually really good at it. And then um, a number of the people that were on that, in that company, actually were Christians, and so there was some commonality, and Jody would work, and, um, and then she would come home, she would give this debrief, and we'd pray for for her work, and then one day the business got sold, and the business was sold to a man who asked Jody to stay on on the business, and she said, okay. Only this man, I'll call his name John. John was not a Christian, and so Jody would start praying. We'd do prayers with our kids at night, and we'd pray with them before we go to bed. We'd always pray for John or pray for people in our life that were away from God or needed Jesus, and, and so we just kind of made that a part of our pattern of, of praying, and, John, any time anybody wanted to say anything about church or Jesus or anything about God, he said, I want to hear about it. So it became known, you don't talk about that stuff here. How many got a workplace like that? You just, there's things you can say and can't say, okay? So one day, John came to work and informed uh, Jody that he had cancer. And um, it was a very uh, aggressive form of cancer. And just about four or five months later, he was now on hospice. And uh, all those four months leading up to hospice when he was about to die, we would pray even more intensely. We prayed for John and Lord, give a breakthrough moment. Nothing seemed to happen. Until one day uh, on a Monday morning, Jody called me up and she said, uh, I've been asked to go up to John's house. Um, he's wanting to get his business in order and so me and a coworker are gonna drive there today. Please pray, okay? If you've ever been to one of those moments, you're like, we want God to do something. So she drives up there with uh, her colleague and as they spent time together uh, talking with them, uh, her colleague paused at one point and said, John, do you know if you're gonna be in heaven? He said, I don't wanna talk about it. And it just shut it down right there. And then on the way after they left, of course the house that they were in, he had moved the kitchen table out and there was a, there was a hospital bed in there. And so it was the last couple days of his life 
they left at about 1.45 on that Monday afternoon and took off and Jody calls me. She says, we didn't do it. We failed. He's not, he didn't want to talk about Jesus and you could just feel the, the heaviness. And Jody and I, I didn't even know what to say to her. I just said, well, let's just keep trusting the Lord. Fast forward, John dies. And on the funeral day, he was out in Plymouth at a church with a really small parking lot. And I pulled up with Jody and the parking lot was already full. In fact, people were parking blocks and blocks away. I dropped her off and said, go ahead and get a seat. I'll run, get back inside and uh, I'll go parking. So I, I parked the car and I'm running all the way back. And finally I get into the front doors and as I'm walking in, and in the entryway, I hear off the side of my voice, Pastor Nate! And it had been seven years since I had been called Pastor Nate. And I turned and there's this guy named Eric. And Eric had been in our youth ministry and had dedicated his life to the Lord on a Wednesday night in our youth service. And I go, Eric, I haven't seen you in a long time. He goes, what are you doing here? I said, well, my wife worked with John and blah, 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 you know, and, and I go, what are you doing here? He said, oh, Pastor Nate, I got a story for you. And he's all excited. I'm like, we're at a funeral, bro. You're all excited. Why, why? <laughs> what's going on here? And he said, oh, he said, um, he said I, 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 I'm really good at golf. I became a golf pro at a club, a club pro. And he said, uh, we, I have a mutual friend with John. And my mutual friend called me up and said, John needed a fourth player on his tournament for his foursome. So I played in the tournament with him, I won. And so he said, so John kept calling me. He wanted me to be his ringer for all the other tournaments he played in. So I got to know John a little bit over time. He said, you'll never guess what happened. He said, last week on Monday, I got a call from our mutual friend and he said that John was dying and he wanted to know if I'd go with him up to John's house to talk to him before he died. And he said, so I said, yes. And we drove up there at about two o'clock on Monday afternoon. 15 minutes after Jody had pulled out. And he said, we walked in to the house. And you, he said, the kitchen table was out and there's a hospital bed in the kitchen. I'm not, and I'm like, yeah, I've heard this story, right? And he said, we walk in and we're talking. He said, about a half hour in, my friend talked to John's wife and walked away. And he said, I sat down next to him. And Eric said, he said, I asked John a question. He said, John, are you gonna play golf with me in heaven? And John said, I don't know. Eric said, do you want to know? And he said, yeah. And Eric said, Pastor Nate, I led him in the sinner's prayer right there in the kitchen. Right there in the kitchen. Thanks for listening to Emmanuel Today. You can learn more about Emmanuel and enjoy other messages by checking out emmanuelcc.org.